Well, good morning. I, w- I want to say so badly that it's, it's just nice to see you, but obviously, well, I'm, I'm on camera and I don't see you, but at the same time, it is great to be here. Um, and today, I'm, I'm really excited to, to go preach this passage to you from 1 John chapter 2, 1 to 6. And, and the fact that I'm here now and, and I can't see you, it just, it, it reminds me of the journey we've been on over this past six or seven weeks or so. Um, if, if you've been tuning in just over that time period and you maybe haven't gone to Calvary Baptist before, you probably just, you would recognize me as the guy who sits in the back over there who plays the guitar. Um, and that's very true. I, I love playing the guitar even in our physical gatherings. That's something that I would do very frequently. Um, but I'm also an intern here at the church and at Mile One. And this, this really has been such a different experience doing church through live stream instead of meeting physically. We, we all long here to, to gather with you again. And one of the ways that it's been different, at least for me, and even just playing the guitar, is it's been not hearing you sing back at us, not hearing the congregation's voices being going up to God. And, and that's just so different. Um, and I'm sure it's been very different for you all at home, but I want to encourage you to just say that God is still glorified as we, as we sing here, as you sing in your homes, and he's glorified as we read the word together, as we pray, and now as we hear from God's word, in particular this passage from 1 John. So now we're going to do exactly that. We're going to read this passage. You're going to hear me talk about it and tell you about it, and I'm really excited for that. So would you please just open up your Bibles now, turn to me to 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. That's 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. Let's read together. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. May God add the blessing to the reading of his word today. And originally, I was, I was going to preach this passage on a Sunday that many of you will probably remember pretty well. It was the Sunday of January 19th, or as many of you would know it, the Sunday of when all of Snowmageddon had just started. And as, as we went into that weekend, as the snow came down on Friday, I was very aware of the fact that I might not get to preach this particular passage that Sunday, that church could very well be canceled. And that was, it, it was a different experience again, but I was confident, I was sure, I didn't, I didn't really get bothered by it because I knew that God was in control. I knew that as the snow came down, that if church got canceled, then I would just get to preach this particular passage at another time. And, and for me, that, that gave me a bit of assurance, it gave me a bit of rest and and as I, as I thought about it, maybe the, the next Sunday I would get to preach, it would even be a better Sunday than the last one. And, well, here we are. 
We're here on, on the first Sunday of May 2020, and, and who would have guessed that the first time I tried, it would have been on Snowmageddon, and then the second time, we'd now be in a global pandemic. It really is just a wild time, but, but it's because of our situation, it's because of, of the circumstances that we're in that, that I'm really excited just to preach this passage today. I mean, let's, let's face it, we've, during this time, we've all had different emotions, we've all had different struggles, maybe, maybe even successes during this time, and, and even though we might not be going through the exact same thing, I know this, I know that we're all going through a difficult, different time. And if I were to guess, at least if, if you're anything like I am, you're probably just a little bit more aware of your own sin, especially when, when tensions are rising, when you have more time on your hands than you would like, and when we're really realizing now that we don't have control over a lot of things. So I want to ask you how, do you, how do you deal with that? How do you deal when you give in to temptation like Pastor Steve preached about last week? Or what do you do when you crack under pressure as Matt preached last week? What do you do? How do you deal with your sin? And again, if, if you're like me, you've probably dealt with your sin in a number of different ways. Maybe, maybe you go to a friend for help and ask for guidance, or maybe you go to that person that you've wronged and, and you instantly just say that you're sorry and you try to sweep all that under the rug. Or maybe you really do, you, you repent and you ask for forgiveness. See, something I'm sure that's common for just about everybody watching right now is that we would all like to be good people. And especially for those of us who, who claim to be Christians, we strive to be good, we strive to be holy, and we try not to sin. We try to obey God. We try to model our lives around what the Bible teaches us. And, and that's a good thing. I mean, sin is bad, and the Bible teaches us that we ought to live like Jesus did. That's, that's actually in our passage today. But, but what about when our efforts, they don't work? What do you do when, when you really try to be good, you try to do the right thing, but in the end, you, you still fail and you do wrong, then what? You, you've probably even experienced something like this on a Sunday morning. Maybe you've, you've gone to church or you've tuned on, online to the, the live stream with your computer, your TV, and you, know, you just hear Pastor Steve or you hear one of the Mile One guys or one of the elders preach this awesome sermon that it just wanna, makes you want to go into your week, you want to love your family, you want to live out the gospel, you want to read your Bible every day, you want to pray. But then as soon as you leave the service, the question arises, what are we doing for lunch? <laughs> and and it, it's such a, a basic question, but in the end, you, you end up fighting with your family over what you're going to do. Maybe Maybe you, are you going to put something in the microwave? Are you going to go get takeout? Maybe you even have you know, the really good intentions of, in responding to that sermon. You want to serve your family. You want to cook them a nice meal. You want to you know, put on a nice juicy steak on the barbecue. But then in the end, you don't get your way. And in the raw emotion of that moment, you just selfishly shut down and sook for the remainder of the afternoon. Or another, another example is maybe you've tuned in online, you're watching the service, but there's just somebody in your household that's causing distractions. Maybe, maybe that's a family member or could be a roommate. 
And, and as they keep causing distractions, you just keep getting more and more annoyed as you try to pay attention, as you try to pay attention to the service. And guys, paying attention, that's a great thing. I hope you're listening to me right now. But that good desire to pay attention, it can so quickly just turn into sin as that annoyance leads to frustration, as that frustration then leads to anger, and then as that anger well, it leads to you lashing out at whoever's in your home. So see, especially during these times of, of physical distancing, of times where we're all cooped up together and can't leave our homes, as these, as these um, re- regulations just slowly get lifted, it's easy for us to be tempted. It's easy for us to fall into that temptation. And it's easy for us to sin. So I want to ask you again, because... Because I really need you guys to think, I want you to think about it. How do you deal with your sin? See, today I, I stand here now to preach the word. I stand here to preach 1 John chapter 2, 1 to 6, so that you may not sin. My burden is that for you and for me today is that we would love Jesus, that we would try and live like him. But I also know that we're going to fail. I know that we're going to rebel against God and that we, we're going to sin. So my burden for us also today is that, that we would know how to deal with that. And to be more precise, I, I want us to know this, that when we sin, that Jesus is our loving advocate. And if you're taking notes, write those down, that Jesus is our loving advocate. And we can see this in our text in verses 1 and 2, where it says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And see, an advocate, it's, it's somebody who speaks for or on behalf of somebody else. An advocate is just somebody who speaks for or on behalf of somebody else. And our Bible, it's full of examples of advocates, especially in the Old Testament. For, for instance, you can go to Genesis 18 with Abraham. He pleads with God for, um, for God not to destroy the sinful people of Sodom, even though th- those people, they fully deserve to be destroyed. Abraham, he goes to God, he pleads with him, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? If I can find just 50 righteous people, will you not spare them? If I can find 45, 40, and, and so on, until Abraham, he gets down to 10 righteous people, and And God says, for the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. See, here, Abraham, he advocated for Sodom. Another example in the Old Testament would be be Moses. Many of you know the the person of Moses. And in Exodus 32, particularly, when when Moses was taking a while to come down from the mountain with God, and he came back, Israel had made a golden calf, and they were worshiping it. And when God saw their sin, when he saw their evil and their idolatry, Moses went to speak to him, and and Moses said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham Isaac and Israel, your servants. 
to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. See here, Moses, he, he spoke for Israel. He spoke on their behalf. He was advocating for them. A more modern example of an advocate would be, well, a lawyer. When a lawyer goes to court, he, he advocates for his client. He speaks on their behalf to the jury and the judge, and he pleads for justice to be done in favor of the client. And in that relationship, there, there are roles and rules. See, it's the, it's the lawyer's role and obligation to speak well of the client. And the client's role is, well, they have to be honest. They have to be upfront about what they've done. They have to tell the lawyer the truth. And in a similar way, Jesus speaks on our behalf. And this, this is what John means when he says that Jesus is our advocate. And similar to that relationship between the lawyer and his client, our role in our relationship with God is that we need to be honest about who we are. We need to be honest about the fact that, that we mess up, that we're sinners. But see, this, this illustration, it's, it's not exactly perfect because Jesus is actually a far greater advocate than any lawyer ever will be. In fact, Jesus, he, he's never going to lose a case. He never fails as an advocate, and he never will. And he can do this because he pleads his own righteousness. He doesn't fail because he pleads his righteousness on our behalf. See, in the law court of heaven, we, we're going to sit in the defendant's seat, and there's going to be every single piece of evidence that points to us being guilty. And we're going to deserve the penalty, the punishment. But Jesus, he's still going to win the case for, for you and for me, Calvary, because he, his case is built on his righteousness and not ours. See, we know he's an effective advocate because of his righteousness. And he can plead that righteousness for us because he's already paid the penalty for our sin. That's why John writes that it's Jesus the righteous who is our advocate and that he is the propitiation for our sins. See, Jesus was and forever will be truly the only righteous man to have ever lived. He, he was perfect. Unlike all of us, he, he never did anything that was wrong. He was never selfish. He, he was never unloving. He was perfect. He's righteous. He's good. He's sinless. And because of that, Jesus didn't deserve the penalty. He didn't deserve to die. He didn't deserve to pay the penalty of death, but he still died. He still died for you and for me. And in his death, he was the propitiation for our sins. And, and guys, that's a big word, but don't be scared from the youngest to the oldest. Don't be scared of words like this in your Bible. Study them. Figure out what they mean because they're so, so rich. See, here, propitiation, it's, it's just a fancy theological word that, that means to satisfy the wrath of God. Propitiation, it, it just means to satisfy the wrath of God. So what John means here when, when he says this is he means this, that when Jesus died on the cross, he satisfied the wrath of God for our sins. When Jesus died on the cross, he satisfied the wrath of God for our sins. And yeah, God has wrath. He does, but it's, it's not in some kind of angry or, or sinful way. It's, it's a good, 
and just wrath. Remember the, if you can, remember the sermon I preached from 1 John chapter 1, the message that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if you can remember the, the illustration I used about a mine, and maybe you've been to the Bell Island mine or you've seen one on TV. Well, in a mine, there's, there's no place that's either lit up and dark at the same time. It is either lit up or dark. That's, that's it. They oppose each other. See, God is light. He's 100% good, and he hates sin. For him to be good, he, he has to defeat sin. When light meets darkness, the light, the light wins every single time. And I don't think many of you watching, if not any, probably all of you watching, would agree with, with the concept of justice. I don't think many of us have a problem with that. For, for instance, there was a murderer who, who was clearly the murderer. He, he clearly committed murder and killed somebody. Pretty much all of you would agree with that, the fact that that murderer, he deserves to be punished. He deserves to go to jail and pay for his crimes. His evil deserves to be destroyed. But see, our issues with justice, they often come in when it's our sin, it's our evil that deserves to be punished. And as Paul writes in Ephesians 2.3, we were children of wrath. We are sinners. We deserve the penalty of our sin. We deserve to die. We deserve to receive God's holy wrath. But Friends, this is why propitiation, it's so important. See, Jesus died to pay that punishment for us. He satisfied God's holy and good wrath by taking it upon himself on the cross. And, and don't miss this, that, that Jesus dying on the cross, it's, it's not a picture of an angry father taking out his anger on, on his weak, powerless, and helpless son. Jesus on the cross, it's, it's a picture of God himself, the sustainer of all things, willingly and lovingly taking on the weakest human position imaginable, death on a cross to show his absolute power, his absolute ability to save his people by paying the punishment for their sin and satisfying the wrath of God for them. See, on the cross, Jesus, he, he defeats Satan he defeats evil while saying, this, this is how I love my people. <laughs> Friends, that's how Jesus loves you. Calvary, that is how Jesus loves you. This ever will be, it was, and it is the greatest act of love. Jesus on the cross. See, we sin, we fail, we, we rebel against God, we, we don't follow him. We treasure things that, that have no real value ahead of him. We, we idolize sports or entertainment. We, we watch TV instead of reading our Bibles. We fall short. But thankfully, thankfully the, the gospel, it's, it's, it's not about our righteousness. It's not about our ability to measure up, to, to meet a certain standard. It's, it's about clinging to and trusting in Jesus. He's the righteous one, not us. He is the righteous one who died for our sins. He's the one who paid the penalty for us. He is our loving 
advocate. And, and guys, that's why I follow Jesus. That's, that's why I do. Because by his grace, I, I have a glimpse of how amazing he is. I, I know that he loves me. I know that I can trust him with my life. I know that the relationship that I have is, is real. I know that his commands are good for me, that they're there to, to protect me. I want to obey him, and I try to. And I, I know that when I sin, that Jesus always will be my advocate. And I can trust him as my advocate because he's paid the penalty for my sin. So how do we deal with our sin? Well, we cling to and run to Jesus, our advocate, putting all of our trust in him. See, Charles Spurgeon, I think he put this so beautifully when he said, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, stands up to plead for me and pleads his righteousness. And note, he does this not if I do not sin, but if I do sin. And there is the beauty of the text. When, when I have sinned, I come creeping up to my prayer closet with a guilty conscience and an aching heart and feel that I am not worthy to be called God's son. I still have an advocate because I am the one of the many who sin. See, see, every Christian is just one sinner of the many that he died for. Don't, don't miss the magnitude of Jesus' propitiation. The text says that he's not only the propitiation for our sin, but sin of the whole world. He died, he'll, he died for people from every tribe, every nation, and every tongue. His death, it was, it was sufficient for all, but it will only be efficient for those who come to know him. And if you're watching today and, and you don't know him, if you're watching and you don't know Jesus as your advocate, then I just want to plead with you right now to say, please, please don't, don't leave this stream. Don't turn off your computer or your laptop without, without commenting and asking somebody about Jesus. Don't leave without sending us a question at questions at calvarybaptistnl.ca. Don't, just don't leave without responding to this good news. Find me on Facebook. Send me a message, something. I would love to chat with you, and I'm sure anybody from our church would be just so happy to tell you about Jesus. So respond to this good news. And this is indeed good news. I mean, Jesus is our advocate, But maybe, maybe there's somebody out there right now who, who's sitting there and, and you're thinking, David, this sounds, this sounds great. I mean, I, I think he's my advocate and, and I want all of that and I want Jesus and, and he's awesome, but, but how can I know? How can I be sure that he's, he's my advocate? And well, friend, if that is you today, I, I want to encourage you. Let's keep going. Let's look at verse 3. See, this is how you know him. You know him if you keep his commands. If you know him, you'll keep his commands. See, people who, who know Jesus in, in a personal way, they obey him. And here's the second point if you're taking notes. Obedience is assurance of a real relationship with Jesus. Obedience is assurance of a real relationship with Jesus. We can, we can be sure that we have a real thing with him by looking at our actions to see if we really obey his commands. For, for instance, look at his command to, for us to love. In John 15, verses 
12 to 14, Jesus, he says to his disciples, and this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. His, his command is that we love each other as, as he has loved us. See, true obedience to Jesus, it, it looks like loving selflessly, not selfishly. Do any of you remember back in the fall, I think it was in about October, the, the case between Brant Jean and Amber Geiger? See, Amber, she, she shot and killed Brant's brother in a freak accident, totally accident, not on purpose. And, and Brant's time on the witness stand addressing her, it went viral. And it went viral because he told her that he forgave her, that he loved her, that he knew that if she went to God and asked for forgiveness, that he would forgive her too. He said things like, I don't even want you to go to jail. And he said that what he wanted for her was that she would live her life for Christ because that would be the best way that she could live. That would be best for her. And that's what his brother would have wanted. But, but don't miss that she killed his brother. And Brent, he's going to have to deal with that for the rest of his life. He's, he's never going to get to spend another holiday with him. He's never going to get to, to eat another meal with him. He's never going to get to call him on the phone. He's never going to get to spend more time with him, at least in this lifetime. But see, Brent, he, he clearly knows Christ, and he clearly exemplifies the gospel in the way that he forgave her, in the way that he loved her. And at the very end, and this is probably one of, one of the most powerful parts because it's, it's by his action that we can see that he really meant it. When he, when he turns to the judge and he goes, I don't think this is allowed, but, but can I give her a hug? Please, please. He, he begs so that he could give this woman a hug. And it's, it's such a beautiful moment. And it's a great example. It's a great example of what it looks like to, to really love another person by forgiving them. And it's this kind of obedience that can give us assurance that we really know Jesus. But that also plays into our obedience to Jesus in our daily lives. For instance, you can, you can give somebody a call if you know they're feeling lonely during this time and, and encourage them and, and just chat with them. That's, that's an act of love. If, if your spouse or your roommate or your kids, they, they accidentally break a dish or, or they forget to do something they were supposed to do and instead of acting passive-aggressive towards them all day, you forgive them, that's, that's another way we can love. Another thing we can do is just share the gospel with people. Share the gospel with a coworker or, or a classmate or a roommate. That's an act of love. Or if you forget, or sorry, sacrifice your, your opportunity to, to go out and buy that fancy new TV so that you can watch movies in 4K to go buy groceries for somebody who, who needs them. That's another way to love someone. And it's these, it's these day-to-day things, these day-to-day acts of obedience that, that point to us having a real relationship with Christ. And they, they point to us knowing that he can be our advocate because we follow his commands. That We know that he's our advocate because we follow his commands. And friends, the opposite of this is also true. Verse 4, it says, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. And to be clear here, John, he's, 
He's not just simply talking about people who, who don't sin. We all sin. What he talks about when he talks about keeping commandments is, is a continuous, ongoing lifestyle. He's not writing expecting that we're going to be able to be perfectly obedient. There are going to be so many days, there probably won't even be a single day, where I'm able to love Leanne in every way possible. But see, there's, there's a difference between continuously striving to obey Christ and living in consistent, unrepentant sin. If someone claims to know him, but, but they don't follow his commands, but they consistently go back to sin unrepentantly, unapologetically, then this text, it's, it's saying that if, we don't, if they don't keep his commandments, they don't know him. The truth is not in them. Christ is not in them. But John continues, Who, whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. And, and here's how. Here's how our obedience leads to our assurance. And stick with me here. This is, it's a bit of a longer sentence. But our obedience is assurance that we have a real relationship with Jesus. That's the second point I got you guys to write down. That our obedience is assurance that we have a real relationship with Jesus because keeping his word is the evidence that God's love is being perfected in us. Our obedience is assurance that we have a real relationship with Jesus because keeping his word is the evidence that God's love is being perfected in us. And, and God's love being perfected in us, that doesn't mean or, or try to insinuate in any way that God's love is not perfect. The only thing that's wrong with God's love in us is it's us. What, I, what is meant here is that God's love is made complete, and, and his love, it can be made complete because it has a purpose. It, it has the purpose to transform us from naturally desiring to sin to naturally desiring to love. Therefore, when we, when we keep his word, when we love as Jesus has told us to, that then God's wor- love, it's working in us, and if God's love is working in us, then, then that's evidence that we have a real relationship with God, a real relationship with Jesus. So, so I can know that I have a real relationship with him because I, I desire to obey him, and sometimes I succeed in that because his love is working within me. I know that he's my advocate because of his love on the cross for me, and, and I can be 100% sure about that because the, the same love of God that was displayed on the cross is now transforming my life into a life of obedience. <laughs> How great is, is the love of God? But friends, don't get me wrong and don't misunderstand me. I struggle to love and obey in the way that I should. We, none of this is to say that we're not going to sin I know I'm, I'm a sinner. I desperately need Jesus. God's working on me, but he's got a lot of work left to do. But praise him anyways, because he's capable of transforming anyone's life with his love, and he will transform the lives of his people. So as people who have a real relationship with Jesus, as people who claim to be in Christ, as people who know Jesus, we ought to live like him. We ought to walk like Jesus did, we need to obey his commands and follow his example. If you ever need to know what genuine love and forgiveness looks like, then, 
then just look no further than Jesus in, in the Gospels. Go read about him and see he is that perfect example of how we need to live. And thankfully, we, we don't need to do this in our own ability. We, we have God in us. We have Jesus in us. The Spirit is in us. His, his love is being made complete in us. And, and friends, get this point that I'm about to say now. Let your obedience flow from God's love for you. If, if there's any of you out there right now who are somehow trying to earn God's favor or, or earn God's love by, by following him, by being obedient to him, then you need to hear this. That's wrong. You don't earn God's favor. You don't earn his love by following his commands. You, you already have it. God loves you, and it's from that love that we need to be obedient. And thankfully, it is that. Thankfully, we don't need to do this in our own ability. So as we go and we try to live holy lives, as we go, as you turn off your your laptop or your TV and and you talk with your family about what you're going to do for lunch, as, as you go and try and walk and love like Jesus, don't do it out of your own strength. Do it out of his love for you and let that flow out of you. Lean on Jesus. Trust in him. Trust him with your sin. See his love for you as an example of how you ought to love others. And see, this is how Jesus loved and lived. He loved his disciples as the Father loved him. And Jesus lived, he lived doing the will of his Father. We see that in John four thirty-four, when Jesus said that his food is, the, is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Doing his Father's will, it's, it's what energized him, it's what satisfied him. And friends, that's what, it should be like that for us. We should live Live in the same way. Our obedience, it should, it should satisfy our soul. We should be hungry to serve others. We should be hungry to share the gospel and, and hungry to do life with each other and long for the opportunity to be back in physical church where we can see each other once again. And we can start to live like that by, by understanding obedience, by understanding that our obedience is assurance for us, by understanding his love for us that obedience is assurance that we have a real relationship with Jesus and, and a relationship with him where he is our loving advocate. And guys, we, we ought to live like Jesus by, by telling others about him. Jesus came and he revealed the Father to us and proclaimed that the kingdom of God is at hand. And he gave us to mi- the mission to, to go to the nations, teaching them in the ways in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We we can't let COVID-19 and physical distancing be an excuse for us not to tell others about Jesus. We just can't. We, can't. we can still tell others about him while being physically distant. We can do it on the phone with coworkers or, or classmates. We can do it over Zoom with friends. Um, you, can, you can do it on social media. I know that every single one of you, from the youngest to the oldest, has some kind of sphere of influence. And friends, to tell others about Jesus, you, you don't need a, a degree in theology. Just be real with people. Let, let Jesus and his word, let that grip you and share that with others. Tell people about how Jesus is helping you deal with your anxiety better because you know that God's in control. 
Tell people about how Jesus is helping you live with your husband or wife without constantly fighting. Tell people about how your, your belief in Jesus makes you not afraid of death. Tell people about how Jesus is, is your loving advocate when you sin. Tell people about the hope that you have in Christ. See, there are people in our city that they're afraid. They're questioning. They, they're faced with, with the reality that they don't have control over their life. People in our city, they, they don't know where to find true hope. They don't know who or what to turn to. So what a time, what a time, church, for us to live out the gospel. What a time for us to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news that, that Jesus came for us. The world needs him. St. John's needs Jesus. He's the propitiation, not just for Calvary Baptist, but for the whole world. He'll be an advocate for people from, from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. We have to go and tell people about our advocate while we live like him. We have to believe that God's going to save more people in the city. We have to believe that he died for more people in our city. And friends, would you take a minute and, and just dream with me, dream with me and, and the Mile One staff and, and the leaders of the church, the elders, just take a minute and dream about the impact that having five or six new churches full of Bible-believing Christians, imagine the impact that that would have on our city of Christians who, who want to go and live out the gospel, who want to love and live like Jesus did. Just dream about the impact that that would have on downtown in Kilbride, in Paradise, in Shea Heights, in, in Rabbit Town. See, to walk in, like Jesus, it's, it's going to be a lifelong process full of ups and downs. And, and we'll never do it perfectly, but with God in us, with God's love being perfected in us, we are going to grow more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. And friends, when, when we fail, when we sin, know that Jesus is our advocate, that, that he is the righteous one who, who is a propitiation for our sins, that he died on the cross and satisfied the wrath of God for us, paying our debt. And he did that so that we could come to him, so that our lives could be transformed by his love. So I preach to you today so that you may not sin, so that I may not sin. And now I want to I want to close with a very fitting quote from Charles Spurgeon. He said, Every day I find it most healthy to my soul to try and walk as a saint, but in order to do so, I must continually come to Christ as a sinner. My prayer and my hope for you all today is that you would live your life like that, that you would do so totally awestruck and in love with Jesus, striving to live like a saint, but continually going to Christ as a sinner. And that you would know with 100% certainty, be absolutely sure with no doubt in your mind whatsoever, that Jesus is your advocate. So friends, once again, how do we deal with our sin? We take it to Jesus, our loving advocate.
Let me pray with you. Father, it, it really is a joy to be here to, to preach your word to these people. Lord, I don't know who's tuned in. I don't know um, how long they've, they've known us or even if they know me, but Lord, I pray now that, that your spirit would work. Lord, that you would transform our lives by the power of power of 1 John 2, 1 to 6. Lord, I pray that, that we would know that you're our advocate, that, that, that our trust in you it wouldn't falter. Lord, that we would know and be sure, and that that would encourage us to, to live a life of obedience to you. Pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.